Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Kings, chapter 16. Here's Pastor Ryan. 2 Kings chapter 16 this evening. Give me an amen once you are there. And let's pray. Father, we thank you again for our time here this evening, Lord, that you have given us this place where it's warm, it's cold outside, it's cool outside, and first time we get to turn on the heaters and they're working just fine. And just so grateful for a warm place where we can come inside from the elements and study your word and edify one another through fellowship and praise you through song and just allow you to minister to us as you do through your word and so father we come thirsty this evening and we ask that you would fill us overflowing with your holy spirit just baptize us we pray with your spirit pour out your grace lord and speak to us. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, before we start in our text this evening, it has been a pretty heavy day for me as a senior pastor preparing for tonight's message. Normally, they're not, days aren't always that way, but particularly hard as far as spiritual warfare. And for those of us who know Christ, we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, dark spiritual forces. And some days they're heavier than other days. And in our story tonight, we're dealing with a king from the southern kingdom of Judah. And he was a very wicked king and did abominable things before the Lord. And it really grieved my heart, just the fact that we're going to study on this guy tonight. And I began to think about what's going on in the world and was just asking God, what's up with the warfare today? A lot of distractions coming in and out. When that usually happens, what I do is I study your devotions, what you normally do on other days. You see my Bible here, I have yellow stickies. You see that? Those are my bookmarkers. One in the Old Testament, one in the Psalms, one in the Gospels always, one in the, the epistles. So four spots that I, and I just chilled on a chair, just asking the Lord. I read in 1 Samuel how King David was harassed and oppressed or young David harassed and oppressed by King Saul and you know the story right Saul was throwing spears at David and that was terrible and then I read when Judas betrayed our Lord the night he before he went to the cross and then I read in Galatians how Paul was in chains and we know he was in chains because the Romans chained him up and so in all three places, it's a negative thing happening to godly people, to King David, who God had called and anointed, and the kingdom was being taken by Saul. Saul was attacking David, but yet God was still giving David favor in the midst of that trial. Our Lord and Savior, rejected by men, rejected by his own, one of the 12 betrayed him, was not for him, his heart was not with the Lord, betrayed him. But yet our Lord conquered the cross, the grave, and thus we get to be saved because of his actions. And then Paul was in chains 
Various times, you know, they're called the prison epistles because he wrote them while he was in prison. And so the Lord spoke to my heart and very wonderfully was a reminder that this journey that we're on as Christians, it's a glorious journey because we have our King and Shepherd Jesus Christ who loves us, who's going to shepherd us through the tribulations of this world. But it's not going to be easy on this side of heaven. And that's what I just got reminded of today. And that's why there was warfare. I don't believe that the devil wants me to say what I'm going to say this evening. It is a special time in our country. Immorality in our country that is unchecked, that is called good. When the Bible clearly tells us it's evil, we see the destruction of our children's education and it's basically brainwashing. Our kids go to college only to be brainwashed by professors who are godless. Some are are not, obviously, but you know what I mean. It's just a heavy, heavy time. Paul says in Romans 13, verse 11, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. It is an interesting time. We have been born for such a time as this to be here this evening, to be Christians or to be in a church if you're not a Christian, but you're just listening to the word. It is by divine appointment, I believe, for such a time as this. And that's what the Lord spoke to me in in King David. And even Spurgeon. I read a a devotion by Charles Spurgeon this morning, which is another thing that I do whenever I hit a a mental block. And, and and, And it was the verse where Jesus said, I chose you. You have been chosen for such a time as this to make an impact on this world. We are light. We are salt because he is light, because he is salt. And for such a time as this, as crazy as it is, here we are. And it, uh, and the world really needs Jesus through you and I, like never before. So my heart is heavy. I'm blessed, but it's heavy. And the night is far spent. The angels are watching us. Paul said that in the last days, people will not endure sound doctrine, but that they're going to heap up for themselves teachers, pastors, after their own hearts and own itchy ears, who will tell them what they want them to say. We're living in times where we have been warned that pastors are not going to warn people, that pastors are going to be people pleasers, that pastors are going to be worried about self-preservation. We have it nice here, but to be honest with you, I, I know I'm so hopeful in Christ and I believe blessings are ahead, but I also believe that things are, things can get ugly. We're not always going to have a pro church president in the white house. And I was told by one of the original Calvary movement pastors mike mcintosh be ready because when there's a democrat in office they're going to come after the churches writings on the wall we're not in heaven it's easy to get laxed in such a beautiful church but we need to keep our eyes on the lord and we need to stick together bible teaches about people being deceived later on just a, a great deception so we need to be in the word we need to be in prayer we need to be together We need to stand. 
We need to keep making disciples of all nations. We need to keep moving. I don't want to play it safe. And I know everyone's, you know, they mean kind by saying, it's like the new saying, pandemic, right? Be safe. And we do mean be safe. We want everybody to be safe. But Father, help us not to be so safe that we're, we're not doing anything anymore. I know it's not biblical. Everyone we look up to in the Bible was just out there, bold, courageous, the mouths of lions, the, the sawed asundered, heads chopped off. You ever go to Italy, you go to Rome, you go into the Colosseum, you see they have a big old cross there, which is beautiful. But you can just imagine how many people, you know, there was no plane that's safe. There wasn't that idea, but we can do that here. And I don't want that to be just because we have a church. Pray for me that I will be bold in these last days because they're going to come after you, but they're going to come after me first. And I know for a fact that there'll be brethren that turn in pastors and turn in other brethren that, you know, in their weakness or whatever, or in their sin. We've been warned that these things are going to just be more and more intense, but we don't lose hope because we have the Lord. But I need to prepare you so in chapter um, 16, after reading off a list in the previous chapter of a bunch of wicked kings uh, in Israel, we get back to the kingdom of Judah. And for those of you who don't know the book of Kings, it's the history of Israel divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, separated by God as judgment because they turned from God. Rather than being together and strong and whole, they, they went after the gods of the other nations and they lost it all. And so now they're separated. There's a king in the north, there's a king in the south. They're brothers, they're part of the, the, you know, the same nation. They're just divided at this point. And so we get to see in the book of Kings, the history, how they fared. Those kings that honored God, they fared amazingly. God blessed their lives. Even if their armies were small and their territory was small, God blessed them because God is the source of blessing. God blesses those who seek him, who believe in him. Jesus is a rewarder for those who believe in him and who seek him diligently. You will be rewarded. And so we see that in First and Second Kings. But now we're going to get into uh, a king that was not so good. It was actually very terrible. So in verse 1 we read, In the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God, as his father David had done. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and on every green tree. And so we are introduced to King Ahaz 
Ahaz, the name, means to grasp. He was 20 years old when he took, when he became king there of Judah, and he reigned for 16 years. And we're told that he did not do good. He did not walk in the ways of his father David. Speaking of the beloved King David, the second king of Israel, the king who honored the Lord, the king who the Bible says, God says concerning David, that he's a man after my own heart. Not perfect, we know that, but King David was a man after God's own heart. And what's interesting is that the kings of Judah were compared to the good kings, their fathers. And so here, there's no comparison other than a bad one. Ahaz lost his mind. He had no interest in honoring the God of Israel. And rather than doing that, he followed the gods of, or the kings of, uh, the ways of the kings, the wicked kings in the northern kingdom of Israel, who were following the pagan gods of the nations around them. And so he was wicked. He did evil. And um, he also, we are told, a great abomination that we, we haven't heard from the kings in the south. For they were fairly good. Some of them were fairly good. But here's one from the kingdom of Judah who actually killed his son in the fires of these pagan gods. They would sacrifice their children to Molech, to the, in the fires of Molech or Baal, the names of these pagan gods, agricultural gods, were they were the gods of the Canaanites, the Ammonites. These were gods that God had forewarned Israel, have nothing to do with them. And, and they were warned way back during Moses' time and Joshua's time. When you go into the land, don't be like the nations that, that, you're dis, that I'm dispersing on your behalf. I'm going to bless you with this land. Don't try to be like them. Don't try to learn their ways. Don't try to find out how they worship. And I can just hear the words of John the Beloved said, saying, you know, he who loves the, the world is at enmity with God. How many Christians today are just you know, too connected to the world and not connected to heaven like they should? Too fascinated or interested in the things of this world. When the Lord says, be simple concerning evil, God help us to be pure. But he warned them beforehand not to do what Ahaz is doing here. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 30 through 31, he said, take heed to yourself. This is through Moses back in the day. Take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they have destroyed from before you and that you do not inquire after their God saying, how do these nations serve their gods? I also will, be, will do likewise. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way for every abomination to the Lord, which he hates. They have done to their gods, for they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Like God pointed it out even before they got into the land. This is the evil that they're doing. The practices that they practice are abominable. They're wicked. Ahaz sacrificed his son. You know why? Because he thought that he would garner prosperity, favor, 
blessings. That's why the Canaanites gave their children as sacrifices to these gods because they thought that they would prosper financially. Their fields would be you know, fruitful and the harvest would be big. It was all about prosperity. It was the hope of good life, that they would, a better life, that they would actually dementedly give their children to these images, these little statues stone statue. King Ahaz was out of his mind. You read about him in 2 Chronicles 28, a lot more about his life, but he was actually forming, chiseling them out himself. And they would heat up these statues in the fire. Their arms were extended like this, and they would place their babies on the arms of these statues and kill them. There's such a contrast between this world and God. There's such a contrast between what God says is right and this world says is right. What do you hear the legislators? What do you hear the congressmen, the senators, the presidents? What do you hear them say that is right when God says it's an abomination? What things come out of their mouths? We're living second kings, it seems. What are they saying? And we have believers who are so deceived that they know that what this politician is saying is in contrary to what the Lord believes is right. This politician is calling it good when God, I know God in his word. I know I've been taught it's wrong, but she's so stylish or he's such a good speaker that, you know, I mean, this is how some have so little discernment. Satan comes as an angel of light. He will send someone so handsome, so beautiful, so, so attractive, so charming to get you to make excuses for evil that God says it's evil. We need to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And you can only do that if you're in this book and that we watch each other's back and continue to fellowship. Be careful if you must. Be Play it safe. Wear your mask if you like. Play it safe. We have space for you, but get into the house of the Lord. Especially now, the night is far spent. Hello. And there's a contrast between the gods of the nations and, and the living God, Yahweh. There's a big contrast. You think about, oh, the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel. God the Father, his heart. In Exodus 13, he asks for the firstborn. He asks, but not that they would kill the firstborn, but that it would be a sign of remembrance of their salvation and their life that he gave them when they were in bondage in Israel. And the Lord, to save his people, killed off the firstborn of Egypt the night of the Passover. And those who had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the angel of death passed over their house, saved their house because the blood was a sign and God saved them. But all those who were in the house with, covered by the blood of the lamb, their firstborns were safe. In Exodus 13, 12 through 15, God tells the Israelites, you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have the males shall be the Lord's even the animals even the firstborn of the animals the first the firstborn males just as a sacrifice to the Lord but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with the lamb and if you will not redeem it then you shall break its neck 
and all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. All the firstborn sons you shall redeem. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this that you shall say to him by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt out of the house of bondage and it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem why are you dedicating your firstborn son to the Lord why do we do that to celebrate life that God sent his only son the Lamb of God to give us eternal life and now in Christ Jesus when we come to him and we give him our heart and we repent of our sins we acknowledge that we're sinners our eyes are open to the beauty of life it was no easy task, but it was a mighty hand of God that freed the, the Israelites from Egypt. And, and it was Jesus' mighty hand to save you and I so that we can cherish life, honor it, preserve it. But we see here that Ahaz, King Ahaz, walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places on the hills under every green tree. Throughout scriptures, God hates the shedding of innocent blood. God hates the practice of killing babies from way back, guys. Since Genesis, this world is a fallen world. The problem is, is that we're so sophisticated and so technologically advanced. We're still killing babies. It's just not as sloppy. And I say that with no condemnation. Please, know my heart. Jesus Christ did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. I have knowledge because God saved me and opened my eyes to the reality that that's what we're doing. That's what our country is doing. Our country is guilty of that. I feel like as a Christian, I am obligated to help those who have no voice, to help those who are appointed to die. Abortion is an abomination to the Lord and thus it, it is our responsibility. I feel that God-fearing people should not vote for candidates who approve of such things. Ending the life of a human fetus is moral or not. And the first point was, does a human fetus have value and does it have rights? Does it have value and does it have rights? And as you know, there are some people out there who believe that fetuses are not a person. They're not a person. They might say yet, right? They believe that fetuses are not a person and thus they don't have any value or rights. But even if a person doesn't believe that a fetus is not a person, it still has 
value or right. So if a person doesn't believe that a fetus is a person, it still has value or rights. And he uses the example of animals, even animals who are not people, sorry to say, to animal lovers, even animals who are not people have intrinsic value and rights. Would you agree? You just can't go around like killing dogs and cats. Not people, but they have value. They have rights. People often change the subject and bring up a mother's right to end the life of her fetus for any reason. Any reason that she may want. They change the subject to the mother. But is it moral for a mother to kill her fetus just for any reason? It's only moral if you believe that a fetus doesn't have value or rights. It's only moral for a mother to kill her fetus if you don't believe the fetus has value or rights. It's not a person yet, they say. But is that moral? Most of society believes that fetuses have value and rights. Most of society does. Even pro-choice people, pro-abortion people, believe that fetuses have rights and values. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chairman, above.